What's up? Welcome in. The podcast of victors, apparently. First, your Detroit Lions and Michigan Wolverines are uh, giving you some, like, never-before-seen fandom. I'm honestly surprised I haven't gone into cardiac arrest yet. I send a couple texts every week, just like, is he alive? Let's uh... Honestly, like, Kingston, please should have a wellness check ready to go (laughs) for my house every weekend. True. Well, I guess you have Riley. She can make sure you're all right, too. Um, Welcome in, all Canadian. Connor O'Neill, Wade Zanchetta. Uh, we are enjoying the maximum amount of football wins, I guess, that we could kind of hope for. Yeah, at this at this point in the football season, uh, yes, my favorite college team, as as all of our listeners are well aware, national champions. Our two NFL favorite NFL teams playing in the uh, playing in the conference championships. Wade being our resident Ravens fan, myself obviously Detroit Lions fan. There's maximum stress this week on me. <laughs> I was joking around. I was joking around with uh, with Riley about this, but I was saying I should like I should start a walk on my Apple Watch when the game starts. For how much and I'm see how much you move, yeah. See, Ash tried to do that stupid around. TikTok trend of like bingo for me and what I do in a game. Did it work? No, because the game was such a blow that I wasn't a nervous wreck <laughs> for the second half. <clears throat> She's like, Well, you weren't pacing at all. I was like, Well, that's because they were leading by 20 points. I don't have to pace. Um, but no, that's that's one thing. Like, uh, I know, like, when, even when we used to play Grens, like, my mom would pace up and down the sidelines. And I feel like I am just the exact same way. I pace when I'm on the phone with like my grandparents. Like just oh yeah, oh yeah, just Big constant. Uh, so no, we we have we have some stress in fandom, but fan fanatic, same thing. Um, I I don't know. There's there's rarefied air when you're talking about conference championships, unless you're the Chiefs and you've enjoyed six straight. But um, it's it's tough to get to that point. It's been a while since the Ravens have a been in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson and be competitive in the later rounds. So, oh, you are not allowed to use the phrase. It's been a while around me, <laughs> sir. Your college team just won a national championship. You do not care. We're talking about the, the NFL. Lions. We are talking about the NFL. You're not allowed to use the phrase. It's been a while talking to a Detroit Lions fan. <laughs> Goodness. Hey, you guys have been to one more recently than the Cowboys. Hey, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, all right. And Goff, we trust. Jared Goff. I think that was my text to you after they won, was just Jared Goff over oh, and yeah. over and over. Um, all right. Time to get down to business. The York Lions filled their head coaching vacancy, which I believe takes out all of the ones in the OUA, if I'm not mistaken, because York's filled, Guelph is filled, Toronto is now filled. So we have all of our coaches set in stone, ready to go in the biggest conference of them all. Yeah, I have to double check on that, but I believe you are absolutely right. I will not uh, doubt your judgment. So the York Lions have officially hired Dexter Janky to be the next head coach of their football program 
was a DB in the CFL with the Stamps and the Bombers, won a great cup. He also has plenty of coaching experience at the CJFL level with the Rebels and the Okanagan Sun. So I don't know. What do you uh, what do you make of this hire? I guess we'll start there. Now this is this is tough because when you look at <clears throat> the same the same things apply with what I said to U of T about offensive coaches, janky defensive guy, special teams guy. Um, you want to like that's my first look is damn they went defensive, but in York's defense they've gone offensive offensive and it hasn't really worked. So maybe we need a counter punch. Um. I think overarching view of the program, Dexter Janky might be the right guy to kick the wheels down the road and start the ball rolling because what he's going to do being a CJFL guy and being at a school like York where he can bring in lots of transfers, he's going to have his guys or some of his guys come with him to instill that culture right away. It's tough to set your culture. It's tough to bring it into a new environment. But if you can bring five, six guys from your past where they know how you like to run, what you like to run and how you like to go about your business. They can be not only the role models, but honestly assistants on top of your coaching staff that help with the development of players, development of your culture and being York, you need some kind of change. You need a culture setter. And if janky, can do so with his vast experiences from Edmonton to West Shore to Okanagan. He's going to be able to make a quick impact. And I don't know what level they get to because you can only bring in so many CJFL recruits to fill a roster as your Ottawa GDs have tried to do with Sejap. You need to kind of balance your recruiting. Um, and it's going to take a little bit for York to almost like wash the dank off themselves or stink off themselves from their program. Like, do you know what I'm saying with that? Like if you go to a high school kid and you're like, Hey, come play for the York Lions," They go York, like the York lions, not very good. Don't win a whole lot. Don't score a whole lot. And that's a tough image to break. There's a lot of programs that can recruit off of historic wins, but York is not one of them. And I think Janky will, ultimately rid themselves of some of that image, but it's going to be very tough early on. And that's where I think the CJFL backing will help because he'll be able to pull guys in who are mature, who are somewhat developed already. Yeah, no, I, I, it's hard to say much more than that. I, I, I like all the points that you made with that. I think the, uh, the CJFL thing is important because for those that maybe aren't as up to date on their on their CJFL football as as others might be, it's damn good football and it's it's a really talented player pool. And you know, let's look at this West Shore Rebels team with with Janky as the head coach last year and assistant GM. Thirteen game season, they were twelve and one, put up the most points in the league. I believe they allowed the fewest points in the league as well. So I think that does hold some weight. And I think the the CJFL aspect, like you're talking about from a development standpoint, is is going to be uh, something that'll be used as well. Look, he's young, right? Like graduated out of Saskatchewan in 2015, so he's only what like six years older than us. Uh, I believe he's a 92. Yes, so, so five years older than us, or five years older than me, four years older than you. 
Uh, he's got pro experience. He knows what it takes to get to the pros from a player's level. He knows what it takes to win as a coach's level. I think he's going to connect with a lot of players, but Connor, York has not won a football game since we have started this podcast. They have not won a football game since... Oh, it's going to change this year. They will they will win one because I think that this energy and some of these guys that he's going to bring in with him are talented enough to to push one win. I don't know where it's going to come. Probably going to come against uh, on home soil. Like they need to really get on the recruiting trail. But say he brings in his quarterback, or say he brings in a couple weapons or a couple offensive linemen, uh, they get a JJ Messier back. Like. There are pieces to this York team that individually could make a ton of impact, but I think his energy is going to push this team further than they have really since since I even got to U of T. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't think I need to uh, to add much more than that. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I agree. I, I think that this is going to be a positive change for the York Lions. And that's all I'll really add to that. I do think this is going to be a positive thing. So let's move on. Let's talk about some more news because there is more news to get to before we get to our main segment, which is going to be, once again, another deep dive on a positional draft group. Ottawa, man. The Ottawa Red Blacks, two huge signings in quarterback Drew Brown and Dominic Rimes. Man, huge moves. Right after we were kind of talking about Ottawa and Drew Brown too, not just two podcasts ago. Uh, yeah. So this kind of shoots the hole in the Trey Ford trade to Ottawa that I was hoping for, but it does speak <laughs> some Drew Brown music. And I saw a report just before we jumped on that he is headed to Ottawa. So you must be thinking contract extension, contract agreement within the next couple of days. Um. It's exciting for the Red Blacks to, you know, have Mazzoli buy in and kind of take that step back and then have Drew Brown come out and say, all right, let's do this. Let's go. He's going to have a veteran leader in Mazzoli helping him, pushing him, certainly not giving the job to him as Mazzoli wants to play some football still. But um, Drew Brown, Oklahoma State guy, can throw the ball all over the field. We saw what he did in the limited role with the Bombers. And with the weapons they have in Ottawa and the offensive line they've put development pieces and time into. And we know the defense has been solid. The Red Blacks have been, and I believe they may have found it, a quarterback away for the last couple seasons. Due to injury, they have been a quarterback away. But they may have found it in Drew Brown. We'll find out. We'll find out. There still is going to be, like we did here, there still is going to be that quarterback battle for the Red Blacks. But if it's not eight, I think Drew Brown is is a very intriguing option for these Ottawa Red Blacks. Let's look at this talented wide receiver room that no matter who the quarterback is, they're going to get to enjoy and enjoy even more now with the addition of Dominique Grimes. So Jalen Acklin, Braylon Addison, Nate Bahar, Devontae Dedman, Shaq Evans, Justin Hardy, C.O.C. Mariner, Devon Smith. And I know he's a little bit more of a, a return man than, than I guess, a, a true, true wide receiver threat for them. But, man, with the addition of 
Dom Rimes. That is, that's a whole lot of talent. And forgive me if some of those players uh, have not signed or are moving on. I was just reading strictly off of the roster on the Red Blacks website. So, wow. Uh, I want to say shout out to Nate Bahar for probably the tweet of the day whenever Dom Rimes was signed. Uh, <laughs> tweets, Ayo, at Dom Rimes. Uh, been working for like an hour straight on this Photoshop edit. What do you think? And it's literally just a photo from when Dom Rimes was a member of, was the, a member of the Red Blacks. Um, good call by Nate Bahar. Always good to keep it light and humorous. Uh, but they have guys. They have dudes stacked at every single level of this roster. And if Drew Brown comes in and is a half of what Zach Claris is for the Blue Bombers, this team could potentially be a big threat in that first round of the playoffs to potentially find their way in an Eastern Conference Finals. Division Finals, East Division Finals, I'll say. I say conferences. Um, no, I, I I think Ottawa, I think Sean Burke is doing a great job of building out the roster, knowing that quarterback has been an issue. They're just going full in to build every single piece around it, kind of like the Niners did with Brock Purdy, like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go with the seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant guy. But you know what? We're going to have like two all pros at every position. We've got Ayuk and Debo. We've got Kittle, Juszczyk, and McCaffrey. we got Trent Williams. Like, we're just going to stack up some all pros around him. And if he's okay, he'll be great. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Football in the nation's capital is entertaining. When they win, they're kind of... You don't want to say fair weather fans because they show up in bad weather. They just they just want a winning team. And that's when they'll show up and make life hell for opponents. Hopefully we see it this year. I, th- I feel like we're close. I feel like we're close. But I'll ask you this before we move on. Who is your day one starter as of right now? Drew Brown or Jeremiah Masoli? I know we don't it's, know it, much about, you know, what, what health. Let's put all that aside. Like right now... Let's say they're both 100% good to go. Jeremiah Masoli or Drew Brown? Drew Brown, simple answer. Uh, We have not seen Jeremiah Masoli at full strength since Saskatchewan two seasons ago when he had the initial leg injury. I know Drew Brown's healthy. Drew Brown is younger. I think that you kind of have to roll with him well, I don't unless think you bring him Mazzoli in unless you think back. he's going to be the guy. Well, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Well, they did this with Arbuckle, too, and then he was never the guy. So, wow. uh, what? It's true. It's the same I know, thing I know, did. but I, I just think there's a little, I think there's a slight difference in talent level. It's, between. it's the exact same scenario playing out. But I think with Mazzoli, if he came in and just started blowing the doors off of everyone in camp, it's kind of tough to go away from him. You know the guys in the locker room love him, support him. And if he comes back from this injury like a bat out of hell, you're putting Nate back there. It's got to be. But unless he blows you away by some astronomical proportion, it's Drew Brown. It's his job to lose. Okay. Okay. All right. I side with you. I rock with it. I don't like that because... I've been pretty vocal about how much I love Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, over the course of the years on this podcast, but it's it's the reality of the situation. And yeah, hundred percent, we know he's not going out quietly, but 
this is a move to secure the future of the franchise in their eyes and in the GM's eyes and mm-hmm. uh, in Bob Dice's eyes. It's it's Drew Brown. Speaking of future of the franchise, oh. let's get into some draft stuff. Good See transition. Draft season. What thank a pro. You. Thank you. Thank you. CFL draft season is right here. It is upon us. <laughs> uh, a couple episodes ago, we did do a deep dive, a positional deep dive on the defensive back group. We're going to do the same thing again today. I've got a couple players. Wade's got a couple players. We're going to talk about them briefly, why we like them. And we did go DBs last time we did this. So we are going to go the exact inverse of that. Let's talk about these wide receivers. And I'll let right. you kick it off. Before I get going, just want to do a quick little shout out to fox40shop.com. Uh, Fox40 is the worldwide leader in whistle tech. CFP15, enter that code at checkout and it'll give you an extra 15% off your order. Don't know if you know this, Connor, but as I'm teaching, I have a Fox 40 whistle with me at all times. Gym class, one blow of that sucker, and the entire class is ready to rock. I'm just saying, if you want quality, I just finished watching, I was telling Connor, I just finished watching The Waterboy with Ashley. Um, If you want high quality whistle tech, there's no other place to shop than Fox 40. So head over, coaching boards, merchandise, whistles, you name it. They've got it. 15% off CFP15 at checkout over at fox40shop.com. All right. Nick Mardner. Dell, Duncan, Busby are the first two we're looking at. You're taking Dell. I'm taking Mardner. Uh, yeah. Nick Mardner did not play at Auburn this year. Uh, or did not record a stat at Auburn this year, but the last couple of years at Cincinnati and at Hawaii, oh my lord, uh, this guy's a vertical threat. He is six foot six, over two hundred pounds. He is a downfield weapon, a la Luther Hakanavanu. Uh, I think he might be a little bit more polished as a receiving product that than Luther was coming out of York. But Nick Mardner is a threat, and Connor, when you get a 6-6 receiver. Look at how Calgary just throws the ball up to Luther. When you're going downfield and you just lay it out there, there's a wider catch radius. It is tougher to get the ball out if you're the DB because you are reaching way up. It is a pain to play against big guys, big targets. We've both done it. It's not fun. And Mardner provides the speed as well to back it up. Um, One thing I really am interested in is his agility coming out of breaks. I have seen some of it on his tape, but I would like more of like the testing numbers where he's pure in, out, in, out. Um, I know tape usually tells the whole tale, but sometimes you just want that little extra bit of confirmation. And I think with Mardner, for me, the downfield, the acrobatics, the catching traffic, all of that stuff lines up perfect to be a top round draft pick in the CFL. But if you're drafting a receiver that high, you need him to do everything. You don't need him just to go down the field and moss someone down the sidelines. You want him to be able to make a cut, change, break on the ball, and get down to it like a Phil Pot did in the Grey Cup. So Nick Mardner, I think, is a, a great prospect overall. He has a ton of upside, a ton of frame potential. Um, I think that's, a, that's kind of the term I was thinking about when we've had all these DBs being such massive freaks. 
frame potential. You've you've got the body. Let's build something in and around it. So Nick Mardner, Auburn Tiger, Cincinnati Bearcat, Hawaiian. Are they what are they? The flying Rainbow Warriors? Is that Hawaii? Hawaii is the Rainbow Warriors, yes. Hell yeah, baby. Um I think he's gonna be a treat to any team that gets him into a camp this year. Your turn. <laughs> all right, let me educate all you fine people on Ooh, this. Might be one of my favorite prospects. This oh, year. dude, me too. Me too. Bemidji State wide receiver Dell Duncan Busby, as Wade just said, one of his favorite prospects in this draft. I think he's one of mine too. 6'3, 210, just pure explosivity. Let me let me read you a few of his games here from this past season. Listen to what he does with the football in his hands. Three targets, and this is what I want to stress. Three targets, 72 yards, two touchdowns. Three targets, 86 yards, two touchdowns. Three targets, 59 yards, two touchdowns. He's turning three targets into north of 50 yards and two scores. Only you didn't even one get to his best game of the year. <laughs> I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't get only one touch did not turn into a touchdown in each of those three games. And now listen to what happens when he gets a couple more targets. Seven targets, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Five targets, 130 yards, and a score. Yeah, this man's, it's just uh... when, when the ball when when you put the ball in his hands, good things happen. And this isn't just a one-time thing. Sorry to cut you off, but this is this is consistency from from Busby in his 2021 season. 49 receptions, 725 yards, five touchdowns. 2022, 48 receptions, 896 yards, eight scores. This season, obviously, 49 receptions, 825, 11 scores. His best season at finding the end zone. But listen to that consistency. This My God, straight up. Straight up, he's a flyer on the field, Connor. And it's not only the yardage that you're massing and accumulating. He's got wicked yards after catchability. He's got speed to burn. He's got mobility. He's got agility. Um, he is a U.S. guy through and through, but he does have Canadian citizenship, which allows him. So when people look him up, they're like, oh, he's from Ohio, and he went to school in the States. How does he? Canadian citizen allows him the chance to enter the CFL draft. Uh, I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. He, I read somewhere that he is not planning to do the CFL combine. I don't know if that's that's still true or not. Um, but I, I would be thrilled to get this guy in person at the combine to just see what he can do because he's one of these guys that never used the waggle. And we've talked about with other prospects in the past, you give someone who doesn't, know the waggle a ton of extra run up when they have a lot of speed it's scary like you you are talking avoid the collision at the first level and you may be looking at a pure touchdown every play um i'm excited to see see how he looks with a waggle if we do get him up in canada but the midgy state the beaver del duncan busby he's gonna be a treat to watch i'm he might be one of the fastest guys in this draft class. I and we have a lot of speedy guys. I wouldn't go against you on that. If I was a betting man, I would not go against you on that. Like 
Gasama, Mims, Mojamal are some of these receivers that fly Nick Gendron. Yeah. Dell might be the burner that puts them all to sleep. And it would be unbelievable to see them go head to head against the same competition. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Who is option number two for you? Yeah, so just before we get into it, so Nick Mardner and Del Duncan Busby were our only two green tier players. We're jumping into our second tier. So these are still damn talented receivers that you should keep your all of these guys are, but these are our second tier type wide receivers. And my, the guy that I am I don't know. The guy that that still Peaks my interest. Too. He is intriguing. He peaks my interest. He's an intriguing player, but he's intriguing because I don't know what version of him we're going to get. And if we get the version that I would like to see, which is the 2021-2022 Clemson version of this player, and if you haven't guessed it by now, that is Aju Aju, the wide receiver from Brooks, Alberta. And if we get the 2021-2022 Clemson version of this guy, he is explosive. He is fun to watch. He's an absolute playmaker. But as of late, he hasn't been on the field. He has been, you know, riddled with injuries. I'm curious to see, you know, if he does show up to the combine at all, what he looks like, what his kind of, you know, athleticism looks like, what he looks like as a wide receiver against some of these, you know, top end DBs over on our side of the border. Yeah, I I know you like him a lot more than I do because I – I, I I don't know. I struggle yeah. with the NCAA. I, maybe I'm just romanticizing the past too much with him. I don't. I don't think you are because he's still the physical receiver that we've seen. But I just think there's something to be said when you are in the NCAA and you transfer year after year after year, and each year, the place you transfer to gets lesser and lesser in competition. Like when Baker Mayfield transferred from Texas Tech to Oklahoma, it was same conference. When DJ Uyunglele transfers from Clemson to Oregon State, it was power five to power five. And for Ajua Ju, it has been drop in level from power five to group five to now, I believe, was he at a community college uh, this last, last season? So he has gone from Clemson to USF, which is group of five, to then Garden City Community College. Um like to me, dropping in competition each and every time out is something to have concern about. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think that does raise questions. I think that is why I do have some of these questions too. Um, but I think you know we we've seen at his peak what he's capable of as a wide receiver. I'm curious to see if that sort of athleticism is going to rear its head at all as we approach the the draft and combine season and just kind of what shape he's in. But he is still one of these wide receivers that piques my interest, but I won't take up any more of this slot. I will let you talk about one of these guys that is also quite interesting from our tier two. All right, Connor, if I tell you that someone in the RSEC led the conference by 20 receptions for near 200 yards, and averaged 76 yards per game. Would you tell me that this guy is a freak? Absolutely. 
because Darius Simmons of <laughs> the McGill Redbirds is that freak. Six foot, 180 pounds. Uh, Connor, this guy does it all for his team, and clearly the volume that he he carried the load for this offense speaks about that, right? Like, he was well ahead of Kevin Mittal, Will Marchand, Hassan Doso, Carl Shabbat, Jacob Salveil, like Charles Giroux. These guys that we have talked about, while well, Will Marchand, not as much, but Doso, Mittal, Shabbat, Salveil, Giroux, he's ahead of all of them. And with a quarterback like Laton Dress, um, we knew they were going to be a vertical offense and put the ball up in the air a lot. But physical at the point of attack, high-pointing the ball, good feet as well in his route running. Um, I think Darius Simmons is a guy that may be going a bit under the radar because we know in Canadian football, if your team is not winning, you're not being talked about. Uh, but I think that the Montreal Owls, Alouettes, who share stadium with the Redbirds, are probably well aware of the talent at their hands. Oh, they they 100% have to be. 100% have to be. Derek Simmons is one of the most electric wide receivers, I think, in this second grouping. He absolutely deserves all the shine. I think he's going to get at the Combine. I don't have enough good things to say about Darius Simmons. He He's one of the most uh, explosive wide receivers in this class, and there's a bunch of damn good wide receivers in here, as you're going to see with my pick coming up, and that is going to be Regina Ram, Deshaun Mims. I think he's one of my favorite receivers in this group. Again, another guy that is just consistent through and through. Uh, his only game this season under 60 yards came at the very end of the year he was held to 10 yards but other than that he was up over the 60 mark was up around the 90 to 100 mark a few times this season you know we heard good things coming out of the east west bowl from him as well i think marsh uh, marsh ended up having a pretty big football crush on him by the end of the week if i'm not uh not mistaken but he's a, he's a damn talented player and anytime the ball is in his hand good things are happening uh, super excited for, man, these receivers at the Combine, we should just so like put ones. up a start line, put up an end line, and just let them run 100-meter sprints, and that's their Combine. No drills, nothing. Just let them go. Track meet. We'll do a 4 by one relay if we want at the end. We'll split up their teams, but kind of these guys, where we talked last year about the DBs being so long, these receivers are so damn fast, and guess who's continuing the trend? My man, Mo Jamal, uh, we know how impactful Savon Magnet-Jones was. I've talked with some people from Argos camp last year where Savon Magnet-Jones got there and everyone was like, whoa, <laughs> this, wait, how fast is he? He's beaten who over the top? Like, Savon has next level speed and Mo Jamal is, I would say, stride for stride with him. I would love to see them race. <laughs> so... Mo Jamal this year, 44 receptions, 700 yards, uh, led the Western Mustangs in receiving. Aggressive, 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 to the point where I watched him break a helmet on the sideline in Kingston this year because he missed a diving catch. Break a helmet, like toss and crack his shut helmet. Not a great endorsement for shut. I know uh, <laughs> Vices took a bad one with Pat Mahomes the other week too in the cold weather. 
but no, I, I watch Mochamal passionate, aggressive. He he does not care if you're going to throw him a jailbreak screen and he's going to be in tough with Lyman bearing down on him. He is going to fight for yards after the catch. Uh, where we have some receivers who, shocker, like Carl Shabbat, the question is, yeah, but he's not big at all. And we watched their impact on games. With Mojamal, I think the talent outweighs that question, kind of like we've seen with Gavin Cobb. That's actually my comp for Mojamal too, if we can if we can do comps already. Hey, I'm not gonna argue. You're not gonna hear an argument out of me here. I like Mojamal is Gavin Cobb. Let's talk about it whenever their combine grades come out. I like it. Mo- Mojamal, 42-inch vertical. Don't let me down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Last guys that we're going to kind of go through here. Yeah, I got one more, and I'll be quick about it. You kind of spoiled it already, but I am going to talk about Carl Shabbat. And you're right. He is not tall. He stands at a whopping five foot seven, about 175 pounds. But you know what? Anytime you need a play, Carl Shabbat is there. If you're the Montreal Caravan, since this man entered the league, anytime you have needed a play, anytime you have needed a conversion in a big game, anytime you have needed a crucial first down, Carl Shabbat has been there. Carl Shabbat may not be the biggest, may not be the fastest, may not be the strongest wide receiver on your team, but damn it, he is the most consistent at being open on your team. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter when. If it's a big moment in the game, I guarantee you he is open somewhere downfield as if he had just stepped off the sideline and said, hey, I'm back in the game. Yeah, no, Carl Shabbat was a heart and soul guy for this Caravan offense. And I think they're kind of hoping he comes back next year because they are looking to repeat with a lot of guys coming back on that roster. Um, All right, here's my final guy. I'm calling him the Des Bryant of Montreal because Zeke Tiade from the Concordia Stingers has made end zone jump ball catches all season long. He is physical. He has some wiggle to him for being such a big guy. Uh, listen to this four-touchdown game against the Concordia Stingers, uh, sorry, against the McGill Redbirds. And to close out their year, remember they had that big overtime game against Laval? Well, guess who sent the game to overtime? It was Zeke Tiade with a huge touchdown. It was a seam ball, one-on-one, back shoulder. He just jumps up, pockets it, gets down. Um he is physical. I would expect him to put up a big number on bench. That's kind of the one where I'm watching him kind of saying like, okay, if you can put up some numbers here, then you come out and maybe you physically body some of the DBs that you're going against. Um, 28 for 471, six touchdowns this year, four of those in one game against McGill. A lot of this guy's game, Connor, is in the red zone and a threat to score is a threat to score no matter where you are. Doesn't matter if you're on your 10. Doesn't matter if you're on your 20. Doesn't matter if you're on the opposing 30. I agree. 
A threat to score is a threat to score, and this man is a threat to score. Yeah, I'm uh I'm pretty happy with the group of receivers we've got. Like we didn't even mention a Justin Sukar or a Hunter like Hunter Brown from Carlton as another freak athlete. He did not AK talk Kusama. about it. Yeah, I was just about to say <laughs> Nicholas Gendron. Oh wait. Mitao. Yeah, we didn't even mention the he- Crichton winner from a year ago, <laughs> Kevin Mitao. Um This group is loaded. Maxi Melifon. Yeah, Charles Jerusa, a long guy too, a long body. Yeah. Will Longley is good as well with McGill. Um there's lots here. The group and is loaded. Where last year I think we had some some Sask receivers kind of spoil the bunch where you know they're just so big and fast and aggressive in blocking. Um I don't know if that matches with this group, but I think certainly this this group has every single ounce of athleticism that you want in a draft class for wide receivers. No, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. There's a lot of interesting prospects. We didn't even talk about the tight end group, which has some damn good mm. playmakers in it as well. But some yeah. playmakers we may never see. <laughs> yeah. Very well but, but may no, never I think, see. I think with this receiver group too, Connor, like they're fast, they're playmakers. Some of them are really physical. And you know what that equals? Special teams con- contributions. And yeah. we haven't really talked about that with the receivers. But if I give you Justin Sukar, you know you're getting someone who's going to be every bit a gunner that a DB could be for you. Uh, so I, hey, I heard Coach that... Burt, man, full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> so, and I like there's some return value with some of these guys as well, like a Mojo Mall. Um, I think that this group has a lot of upside, a ton of potential uh, promise, if we can use three different words to describe the same thing. But exciting times, exciting to see them in action at the combine or pro days, depending on what they choose to do. However we can get that content, I am excited to see it. But I think that does it for today's episode. A lot of news circling around. Congratulations again to Coach Dexter Janky of the newest head coach of the York Lions football program. That does it for us. We will talk to you later this week. Go to Calpo from right up your sleeve.